Hello, word nerds. Yeah. Welcome to an awesome episode of The Dictionary, hosted by me, Spencer. Um, w- I-, I need to take a second to talk about this shirt that I'm wearing. If you want to go see it, go ahead and go to the YouTube. My, my YouTube channel is at Speedjampar, S-P-E-J-A-M-P-A-R. Um, this is a shirt I've never worn before. I bought it, I guess I bought it a while ago. It's from the band They Might Be Giants, also known as TMBG. Uh, it features uh, some very fun birds hanging out on the front of it. Um, I think it's got some like, uh, it's like a concert uh, shirt. It's got some like dates on the back. I've never worn this before. I put it on this morning, and this shirt is not made for my body type. I have never worn a shirt quite this style, quite this shape before. Um, it's a little short. The bottom is a little shorter than most of my other t-shirts. Uh, and listen, I wear t-shirts. I wear t-shirts uh, all, all the time. I every day I wear a t-shirt, but not like this. Uh, and the sleeves, you've probably already noticed, the sleeves are, the whole top portion, the whole shoulder chest section is just very small, and I mean, it's making me look like I got big muscles, which I don't really, uh, but the, the sleeves are just very small and tight and short, and I don't understand why this t-shirt was designed this way, the, just the, the, the shirt part of it, but I do, I do enjoy the birds. The birds are very funny. Okay, let's talk about some words. In this episode, this first word is the second form of the word epic, E-P-I-C. Noun from 1706, that's when it got into English. Uh, Number one, a long narrative poem in elevated style recounting the deeds of a legendary or historical hero as in, the Iliad and the Odyssey are epics. Uh, Yes, those are the only epics that I am aware of. (laughs) Maybe I'll put a link in the show notes for uh, examples of other other epics. Um, I I don't know any, but, you know, the Iliad, the Odyssey, they were probably the first two or two of the first epics epic poems that are long. They tell a story. Um, They're in an elevated style, whatever that means. Uh, And they tell of a historical hero or a legendary hero, somebody who did some crazy dope stuff. And uh, that's what it is. The Odyssey is about Odysseus, and the Iliad is about... Ilias? I never read it. I did read the Odyssey in high school. Number two... A work of art, as a novel or drama, that resembles or suggests an epic. So, I guess if you make a painting based on the Odyssey, maybe you make a very cool painting um, of of the of the Cyclops, the dude with one eyeball. Uh, then that could be called an epic. Um, in high school, I got some help from my parents, uh, but one of my projects when we were doing the Odyssey was uh, I wrote a parody song to a Beatles song about uh, about the Cyclops. What was his name? He had a name. 
I can't remember. Um, and like I said, I got some help from my parents because I wasn't so good with these things. I think they helped. They basically did all the work for me. No, that's not true. Um, but uh, so I guess the song that I did would uh, would be considered an epic because it's based on it resembles it suggests an epic. But if it's but if if that doesn't work. What else resembles or suggests an epic? It's got to be very long and big. That's, that's epic. Three, a series of events or body of legend or tradition thought to form the proper subject of an epic, as in the epic of the winning of the West. The epic of the winning of the West. So I guess just the whole story of the people going West winning the West, oh, I don't know, killing Native Americans, pushing them out of their homes. A series of, or of, series of events or body of legend or tradition thought to form the proper subject of an epic. Uh, so I guess if you're following one person who's going West and their travels and all the dysentery they got and who they encountered, I guess that whole thing would be an epic as well. Sure. Okay, sound effect time. We're going to go... Here we go with Epicalyx. Or or Epicalyx. Epicalyx is the first one. It's spelled E-P-I-C-A-L-Y-X. Epicalyx. Noun from 1870. An I have this word. An invul... Involucra? Is that how you say this word? An involucra resembling the calyx but consisting of a whorl of bracts that is exterior to the calyx or results from the union of sepal appendages. Oh, come on. Come on, words. Come on. Dictionary. What is this? Epic calyx. Well, um... We, we had calyx, so you probably remember that better than I do. Um, okay, yes, I had to confirm. We are talking about plants and flowers. Um, so, involucra, I-N-V-O-L-U-C-R-E, resembling the calyx, but consisting of a whorl of bracts that is exterior to the calyx or results from the union of the sepal appendages. Sounds like gibberish to me, but I am looking at a picture. And if you are... If you are looking at a flower, you got the you got the petals on top, and the petals come from this uh, sort of circular thing of a green leaves. I would call them a leaves. It's the calyx, C A L Y X. Uh, they they come from that. But right below, right below the calyx is the epicalyx because it's next to, it's beside the calyx. It's below the calyx. Uh, and so that's what all this means. Uh, it resembles the calyx. It looks kind of similar, but it's not quite the same. And it's got bracts in a whorl. And uh, that's what it is, the epicalyx. I hope I will remember this. Next is epicanthic fold. Epicanthic, next word, fold. Noun from 1913. A prolongation of a fold of the skin of the upper eyelid over the inner angle or both angles of the eye. Mm. 
Okay. Now, is this like uh, is this a thing that happens, or is this something that everybody has? Uh, let's let's look up a picture so we can we can do better. Uh, the epigenetic was the skinfold. Um, well, 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 yes, some people have this. Um, the the inner angle, that's the part on the inside, and I don't think I have this, but if the upper eyelid or the skin above the eyelid goes lower down, um, to be blunt, it looks like many Asian people have this type of eye, um, and some non-Asian people have it as well, and it just folds over the inner part of the eye, um, and it's just a, just another way that the eye forms, the, that whole eye area. So let's read it again. Uh, prolongation of a fold of the skin of the upper eyelid over the inner angle or both angles. So it could happen on the other, the other side of the eye as well. And that's it. Um, I mean, there's questions. Do Caucasians have epicanthic folds? Why do Chinese people have epicanthic fold? You know, I'll put a link in the, in the show notes because there is clearly some reason why that part of the world has this evolutionarily something to do with the the environment i don't know what it is where they came from what is it that 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 these mostly those people have this different eye structure than a lot of other people do but like i said other people can get it it's just a thing that happens it's just uh, it's just the, the thing the thing with your eyes and uh, yep it's just the skin over the eyes Okay, here we go. Boop, 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 boop. Next is epicardium. Noun from circa 1865. The inner layer of the pericardium that closely envelops the heart. Um, okay, it's just the thing in the heart. And it's on the inside of the pericardium. And it's epi. It's the epicardium because it's... Uh, it, uh, it's near it, it's next to it, it's surrounding it, whatever it is, it's over there in that area, in the heart. Ba-boom, ba-boom. Let's see, what do we got next? We got epicarp. Epicarp. Noun from 1835. The synonym is exocarp, which we will get to in the EX section. Um, but it's, uh, it's something about the carps. And uh, it's probably on the outside of the carp. That's my guess. Next is epicene. E-P-I-C-E-N-E. Adjective from the 15th century. Number one is talking about a noun. A person, place, or thing. Have we added to that list of nouns? Why is it still just person, place, or thing? I feel like there's more, but maybe not. Uh, this is having but one form, having but one form to indicate either sex. Uh, having but one form to indicate, okay, so uh, they didn't give me an example here, um, but we're talking about a noun. So would this be like, uh, I guess, the word actor? I mean, we have the word actress, but I think we're largely getting away from that and just using the word actor, just one word to say male or female or non-binary. doesn't matter. So I guess uh, it's just saying there's one form of this word. So technically, I guess actor wouldn't be the best example because we do have the other form, actress. 
But if there's, but for the sake of argument, because it's the first thing I can think of, let's say the word actress doesn't exist. Epic uh, actor would be uh, would be an epicene. It would be described as epicene because it's just the one form that says any any sex any gender can be this word this noun. Refrigerator, maybe that's another one. Two a having characteristics typical of the other sex, and the synonym is intersexual. Now, um, typical of the other sex, so interesting. Well, I mean, no, biologically, uh, humans can be intersex. I talked about uh, the documentary Everybody, which everybody should watch. It's fantastic, and it's very educational, and you should go learn about that. So the idea there is that people are born biologically as not necessarily fitting into a male, quote-unquote, male or female box. And it's it's been a thing. Gradually, gradually, we're getting better as a society to to understand this, to respect it, to 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 accept it. Uh, but it's it's taken a lot of time. You should watch the documentary. So this is having characteristics typical of the other sex. And I'm sorry, you're probably seeing a lot of cuts if you're watching the video because my nose, for some reason, is runny and sneezy today, and I don't know what's going on. Maybe I got the allergies again. So I'm, I'm just going to maybe have to let the sniffles go. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's a specific example of how this word epicene is used, but maybe it's used in humans, but maybe it's also other animals that something's showing characteristics of this sex that they are not and they would be called epicene okay number two b taking this into a different route a little bit uh maybe a bit more of a subjective or judgmental route the synonym is effeminate and one could argue that uh why what's the what's the opposite of this um, one could argue that a man who is showing characteristics typical of the other sex, the women, um, would be considered effeminate. Um, so that's why that's here. Why they have to call this out specifically, I don't know. I guess it's just used in that way, epicene. I've never heard this word before. Uh, I'm learning so much that I will probably forget. But this one seems like it's a good one to remember. Epicene can be used in these ways. Now, this one, to be definitely seems more judgmental or other words similar to that. 2A seems a bit more clinical, possibly. Um, so I don't know how they get used exactly. Number three, lacking characteristics of either sex. So if you are, oh, androgynous is the word that I've heard a lot. I don't know if that's still a word that's acceptable to use, but uh, lacking characteristics of either sex, neither one, you're just right down the middle, and uh, that's where I think we should all be. Let's all be there. No, let's not all be there. We all got to be ourselves. We all got to be different. We all have to be unique. That's the best. Epicene. Okay, epicene is also a noun. Epicenism. Um, is also a noun, and the etymology, I've been curious about this the whole time I've been reading it, 
Uh, it is from Greek epikoinos, which is from epi plus koinos, which means common. Common? Okay. How does that connect to all these things that we've been reading today? Everything everything is about uh, sex. The sex, the sex of things. Come, is it make, I don't understand this. If you have any thoughts or opinions or information about what that means exactly, how did that word be, go be, evolve into things about both sexes, either sexes, neither sex, I, I don't get it. Common, common. I mean, I, I'm like, I can sort of see it, but like, I can't put it into words. Wh- whatever, whatever. Fascinating word. Um, and I'm really curious about what people think of this. Intersex people, people who don't identify gender-wise as the sex that they were born into. Uh, is this a word that they even know? I don't know. I've never heard this word. Okay, that's epicene. Spent a lot of time on that, appropriately, I think. Epicenter is next. Noun from 1887. One, the part of the Earth's surface directly above the focus of an earthquake. There's an earthquake. The center of the earthquake is below the surface of the Earth. I mean, the whole earthquake is below the surface of the Earth. That's where it starts, usually. Um, But then the center of the earthquake, if you go up to the Earth's crust above there, that's the epicenter. That's where the people can go. If you want to go see the epicenter of the earthquake, why would you want to do that? I don't know. Maybe you should go afterwards. You can go to the epicenter. So it's the center, and it's epi. It's the epi prefix because it's above the center of the actual earthquake. I think that must be it. I never thought about why do we use the word epi in the, the beginning of that word. The epicenter. Um, so it says compared to uh, the first definition of hypocenter, which would that be below the center, the, the center of the center, hypocenter? I would think it would be below the center. So like maybe, I mean, who knows how the earthquakes are affecting the area below them. We know how they affect the area above them on the crust. Uh, but what's going on below? So maybe, I guess they talk about the hypocenter sometimes. Hmm. Uh, number two, this is, it's the 2A, 2B, and 2C definitions for the word center, as in the epicenter of world finance. And I don't specifically remember what 2A and 2B and 2C said, but all of them are the same as the epicenter. Uh, the epicenter. What's the epicenter of my world? Um, my, my world isn't very big. I, I have home. I have work. I have my parents' house like we go to sometimes. I have a few a few things. But so the, I got, there's the epicenter. So it doesn't have to be like above or anything or, or whatever. It's just, it's just the center, center of your world. You are the epicenter of my world, camera. Um, let's see. Epicentral is an adjective. This is from the epi prefix plus the Latin word centrum, which means center. Obviously, we all could figure that one out. 
Here we go with epichlorohydrin. Epichlorohydrin. And I believe that was mentioned in the previous episode in probably the epi prefix. Um, where are you? We got a lot of these words. We've seen some of them already. And I'm not... Uh, here we go. Epichlorohydrin, a chemical entity distinguished from such another by having a bridge connection. And the example is epichlorohydrin, which is... Uh, did I say noun from circa 1891? This is a volatile liquid toxic epoxide, C3H5ClO, having a chloroform or odor and used especially in making epoxy resins and rubbers. Uh, yes, I can imagine that this would be toxic. It probably smells very strong and chemically. Um, it's volatile, it's liquid, it is a toxic epoxide. We'll learn about epoxides and epoxies later. Uh, oh, chloroform odor. Yeah, why is that a hard thing to say? Chloroform, chloroform odor. Chloroform odor. Okay. Next is epicontinental. Epicontinental. Adjective from 1900, line upon a continent or a continental shell, shelf, shelf, as in epicontinental seas, the water, the, the lakes, probably not lakes, the big bodies of water, they are on top of continental shelves. Um, we only have continents and land masses because the continental shelves have push themselves up above the water. Um, but the continental shelves, the tectonic plates, they go all around the world. They're all over the place. And so most of the world, most of the seas and the oceans would be epicontinental because they're sitting on top of the continental shelves. Uh, but if it's something is on top of the continents, uh, what would that be? What would, what, I mean, what, what's on top of them? I mean, the mountains are part of them buildings i guess buildings all the buildings that we make would be epicontinental next is epicotyl epicotyl e p i c o t y l epicotyl noun from 1880 the portion of the axis of a planet nope that's not that word the portion of the axis of a plant embryo or seeding above the cotyledonary node. Cotyledonary node. All these plant things. Cotyl and calyx. Um, so the portion of the axis of a plant embryo or seed, seedling or seedling above the cotyledonary node. You got to go look at the seeds and the embryos, the plant embryos, to, to find the epicotyl. Maybe we should just do a quick look to see if we can... C-O-T-Y-L. Um, what is this? Yeah, part of the seed. Let's look at more images so we can tell you we got a seed. We got the whole seed is the embryo. There's the coat that goes around. The seed coat goes around the whole thing. The center is the cotyledon. That's a word I've read before. Um, 
the okay okay i'm seeing okay so the part of the seed that's sort of like you know like a, a kidney bean there's like a part that sort of goes in a little bit that looks like where the seed the plant starts to grow from um it creates the radical and then the like the center of the stem as it's starting to grow is the hypocotyl hypocotyl and then the end of it looks like the just the leaves, those tiny, tiny little leaves that start poking up out of the beginning of a plant. That's the epicotyl. So if we read this again, the portion of the axis of a plant embryo or seedling above the cotyledonary node. So yeah, that part that sort of in, is in a little bit from the, um, um, the seed, uh, if it has that, that would be the probably the cotyledonary node. That's it's a node. It's where the stuff comes from, and then the end of it looks like the leaves. That's the epicotyl. That was so helpful. Bow, 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 bow. Next is epicritic. Hmm, epicritic. A movie critic. Somebody sitting on top of a movie critic on their shoulders. They would be the epicritic. Adjective from 1905 of relating to being or mediating cutaneous sensory reception. What? Of relating to being or mediating cutaneous sensory reception. Oh, sorry. There's a whole other line. I I lost. I lost everything. My brain is not in it today. Okay. Of relating to being or mediating cutaneous sensory reception marked by accurate discrimination between small degrees of sensation. And I have no idea what we're talking about. Um, the etymology says this is from the Greek epikritikos, epikritikos, which means determinative, from epikrinin, which means to decide. So if you are deciding, you are being determinative, you are determining things. From epi plus crinine, which means to judge. Hmm. Judge, decide. Yes, judges make decisions. They are determinative. Uh, there's more at the word certain. Okay, so now I want to look back at this. Now that I have that etymology, maybe we can figure this out a little bit better. Of relating to being or mediating cutaneous sensory reception marked by accurate discrimination between small degrees of sensation. Seems like it's something about your brain, but I don't know. Epic simile. Epic simile. I very much thought that said epic smile, and I don't have an epic smile. My my epic smile would be. That's an epic smile. No, this is epic simile. Two words. Noun from 1931. An extended simile that is used typically in epic poetry to intensify the hero, the heroic stature of the subject. The the hero stood there like he was a lion on top of a pyramid. I don't know if that was long enough for an epic simile, but it's a simile in an epic poem talking about the hero, the heroic stature of the subject. I look... Like a hero in my stature uh, in this tiny little shirt. 
Okay, I hope this is fun for you. Boo 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 boo. Next is Epicure. Epicure. Oh, did you go see the the Epicure perform at the show last night? The Epicure. This is a noun from 1565. Number one is archaic. One devoted to sensual pleasure. The synonym is Sybarite. S-Y-B-A-R-I-T-E. Um, I have never heard of this word, and I kind of want to look it up. Um, there is a place that I have heard of that I have never been to. I don't even know if it still exists. Um, in the Chicago area, there's a... Was, maybe? Uh, what, what would you call this? A hotel? Uh, a, a, a place? It's called the Sybaris. And I have heard of it. I've heard people going. If if a couple, if not a couple, people, if people, adults, want to go have a romantic evening or more than one, they might go to the Sybaris. And it's looking like uh, a person who is self-indulgent in their fondness of sensual luxury. Um, but it looks like maybe it's based off of this, um, yes, an ancient Greek city in southern Italy but that's not Greek. Um, yes, Sybarite or a native of Sybaris. Ah, yes, so so in this ancient Greek city, who knows what was going down in that city? We'll get to the SY section eventually. We'll talk more about it. So the Epicure, this is archaic. We have to, Let's remind ourselves of that. One devoted to sensual pleasure. Yep, that's it is. They're an epicure. And how it went from Sybarite or Sybaris to epicure, I have no idea. Let's move on to number two. One with sensitive and discriminating tastes, especially in food or wine. So we can see definitely there this translation from somebody who loves these sensual pleasures you know, you, and some of those sensual pleasures could be from food or wine. The food tastes good, smells good. If you rub Cool Whip on your face, maybe it feels good. Wine, of course, to some people tastes good. Um, makes you feel good. If you have the right amount, maybe not too much, then you're not going to feel good. And then those things might lead to other sensual pleasures, which we won't talk about right now. Um, so yeah, th then you, if you have discriminating tastes, I am not an epicure. I don't have discriminating tastes, especially with food and wine. I like them. I enjoy them. I want to consume them. But I don't know them. I, I, I'm like, food, wine, other things, good. Yes, please. I'm not picky. I'm not picky at all. Uh, okay. It's just from Epicurus with a capital E, but it doesn't say what that is. So now we have to read the synonym information. So this should be interesting. Epicure, gourmet, gourmand, and gastronome mean one who takes pleasure in eating and drinking. Well, I definitely take pleasure in that. Mostly the eating part. Epicure implies fastidiousness and voluptuousness of taste. 
well, let's take a second to, to, to call out these two fantastic words that they put in here, fastidiousness and voluptuousness. And I never thought of taste to be described as voluptuousness uh, or voluptuous. Interesting. Okay. Gourmet implies being a connoisseur in food and drink and the discriminating enjoyment of them. Gourmand implies a hearty appetite for good food and drink, not without discernment. Am I reading that? Yes, not without discernment, but with less than a gourmet's. How do we how do we rate these? So a gourmand doesn't have as much discernment or discriminating tastes compared to a gourmet. Um, what is Epicure? They just they just like stuff. But we have another one. Gastronome implies that one has studied extensively the history and rituals of hot cuisine. That's H-A-U-T-E. Hot, 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 hot cuisine. So they've studied it. They're fascinated by it. They've learned all the stuff. Um, But maybe their tastes aren't as discriminating as a gourmet or a gourmand or an epicure. Great words today. Great words. Um, We got one more, though. Epicurean. E-P-I-C-U-R-E-A-N. Adjective from 1586. One is capitalized. Of or relating to Epicurus or Epicurus or Epicureanism. And we're going to talk about those in the next episode. Number two, of relating to or suited to an Epicure. So if you've got some very fancy and awesome tasting foods, uh, I guess they would be Epicurean because they are suited for an Epicure and wines as well. All right. Well, now is the time to pick a word of the episode. We had Epic, Epicalyx, Epicanthic fold, epicardium, epicarp, epicene, epicenter, epichlorohydrin, epicontinental, epicotyl, epicritic, epic simile, epicure, and epicurean. Well, there's a few good good choices. Epicure, I thought was very interesting. Uh, epic simile, hadn't heard of that. Not sure why it needed to be in here, but I guess it was used enough that it needed to be in the dictionary. Uh, Epicene, I find very interesting, and I don't know what society thinks of this word, um, but, 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 but it's a good one to learn. I think I'm going to pick Epicene as the word of the episode because it's, uh, it's an interesting world that it's talking about, and I'm just curious about it. So, Epicene song? Epicene, Epicene, it's about both sex or neither sex or the other sex. Epicene. Uh, that's the song for Epicene. And now I'm going to tell you about a couple of movies that I watched once my thing works. Um, let's see, what do we got today? Go away. I don't want your to pay you money. 
Um, we have, where did we leave off? We talked about those, and now we've, we're have we on It's a Wonderful Knife, a new movie based on 2023, based loosely on It's a Wonderful Life. So if you know that story, you got a little bit of an idea on this one, except this one is a horror comedy, and uh, somebody gets a chance to retry uh, some some stuff in her life. I don't want I don't want to give anything away. Um, it's a fun movie, especially if you like horror movies, and uh, yeah, and it's also heartwarming because of course it is. It's based on It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, we also watched The Killer. This is the new um, David Fincher movie. And uh, it's it's good watch. It's uh, the the lead guy doesn't talk much. Michael Fassbender, um, and uh, yeah, it's an interesting story. And uh, they filmed some of it in a little bit in St. Charles, and I think maybe some other Chicago area stuff. And uh, yeah, it's a good watch. I don't have a lot to say about it. Oh, and I think it's a lot in Paris as well. So there's some beautiful city stuff. All right. That is the end of this very odd episode. And until next time, this is Spencer dispensing information. Goodbye. Hello, my name is Michael Hunter. My buddy, David Spencer, and I have a new podcast all about one of our favorite internet sites growing up, HomestarRunner.com. You know, the guys that did... Looks like we're gonna have to jump! I said, come on, We're going through every Flash cartoon on the site in release order. I've seen all of them, David has seen most of them, and David's wife Alexa pops in and watches them for the first time, just for the show. Come on, Fahooglapods, a Homestar Runner podcast, available wherever podcasts are sold, and at pipedreampodcast.com.